0: Take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you, one another, and the whole world. Amen. Amen. I confess that I had a difficult time choosing between lessons to preach on and so decided to combine them both. So let's see how that worked for me. 1 Corinthians 13, our second lesson for today. It is, as someone said in Bible study this week, simply beautiful, heart-wrenching, filled with images of love that evoke longing and wistfulness. It's a familiar passage. How many of you had it read at your wedding? Yep, couple, couple on screen I see as well, yep. And indeed, it can be hard to remember that it wasn't written as instructions for starry-eyed couples about to say, I do. No, these moving verses about the qualities of love were written to an early church community, one that was torn by division and controversy. This is one of the letters Paul writes to the early church that he helped establish in Corinth. He has left to spread the gospel, and word has gotten back to him that the church at Corinth is struggling, to say the least. Divisions, jealousy, fights about who they should be following, who is right, who should be in charge. Just before this beautiful passage, Paul talks about all the various gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are poured out on God's people. Apparently, in the Church of Corinth, folks were a little too involved in figuring out which gifts were the most important ones. Speaking in tongues seemed to have been at the top of some people's lists and was seen as importance, and Paul is here to set the record straight. His words read and sound lovely, but make no mistake, Paul is saying something crucial about how people are to live together in Christian community. And spoiler alert, it's not about speaking in tongues or preaching great sermons or prophesying or being super smart or even giving giving generously. Nope, it's all about the love. But I think we need to stop for a moment and remember that love here is not the romantic kind of love. The word love has many different meanings in the English language, but usually we use it To describe something we feel, an emotion. Paul, however, was writing in Greek, not in English, and Greek has many, multiple words for love. There's eros, which refers to what today we would call romantic or sexual love. There's philio, which from we get our word philanthropy, and today we kind of think of that most closely as friendship. There's storge, which carries the sense of love of the familiar, love we have for family members or for people we've known all of our lives. But Paul uses the word agape, and this word doesn't describe a feeling at all. Agape isn't based on affection or approval. It's totally unconditional, given not because the beloved deserves it, but because the lover chooses to give it. It's a decision of the will to act in the other person's best interest, whether we feel like it or not. Whether one particularly likes the other person or not, it is the love that Jesus spoke of over and over again. It is the love that Jesus lived out and which he commanded us to follow. And it's a love that makes remembering someone to buy their favorite chocolate on their birthday seem pretty simple. Honestly, I get nervous when this is read at weddings because it can so easily be interpreted as saying that this kind of love is natural and comes easily. But the reality, as any of us who have spent any time with any other person at all other than ourselves knows this kind of love is ridiculously hard. Luckily, this kind of love doesn't depend on us. It depends on God. Paul reminds us God's love is found in patience, in kindness. It is not being envious or boastful or rude. It's a truth-telling kind of love. And God's love is eternal. We are to strive for this, not just in our romantic relationships, but in every single relationship with ourselves and with others. But we know that we will fall short because it's only God's love that is perfect. And this love, it can handle everything, our disappointments, our flaws, our irritations with ourselves and others, our disagreements. We don't have all the answers, Paul reminds the Corinthians and us. We only see and know and experience a small part of what God desires for us. Someday, in the mystery of the fullness of time, we will know, but not now. But oh, how hard it is to even try to live into that kind of love. It's scary. It's dangerous. It's countercultural, and it always has been. Jesus certainly experienced that from his first sermon, which we hear about in today's gospel lesson. And what was the reaction to that first sermon of Jesus? When they heard this, they were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so they might hurl him off the cliff. That escalated quickly. Yeah, in case you zoned out during the gospel reading, it picked up where last week's reading left off. Jesus is teaching and preaching in his hometown of Nazareth. Some have called this Jesus' first sermon. He's just finished reading from the scroll of Isaiah. Good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, of the oppressed freed. And then he rolls up the scroll and says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And that's where we entered the story today. And for a moment, people are pretty impressed and excited. They like what Jesus has just said. The text tells us they were amazed and spoke well of him. But a few lines later, the crowd pushes him out the door up a hill and attempts to throw him off of a cliff. I'm struck by the fact that this gospel writer chose to include this story for us, particularly the bit about rage. Other translations say the crowd seethed with anger, was filled with fury, whatever, there was some strong emotion happening here. And honestly, the passage leaves me with more questions than answers. Why? Why was the crowd so angry? What was that anger about? We can theorize. Was it disappointment? That it wasn't what they were expecting to hear and see from Jesus? Fear? Suspicion? Confusion? All of those can and do get mixed up in and mistaken for anger, rage, fury, and can lead good people to horrible, horrible action. Now, it would be easy to shake our heads at the people of Nazareth, shaming them for missing the mark so completely and trying to kill the savior of the world in their effort to shut him up completely. It would be easy, but it certainly wouldn't be genuine. And I confess that it is not easy for me to stand up here and talk about anger or rage. I was raised with the message that anger was absolutely not okay not only to express but even to feel. Feeling angry was bad and unsafe and, well, just wrong. And I spent most of my life avoiding it and convincing myself that I don't feel it and unlearning those early lessons. So I want to say outright that this is not an admonition to not feel angry. Too often, the church and other well-meaning institutions have said anger is to be avoided at all costs. And then anger gets dismissed or diminished or demonized. And we use it to characterize people and dismiss them and not listen to individuals or groups. But I'm left wondering, and I end today, with if that crowd, on that day, had recognized that what they were feeling was rage and anger. And if they had been able to pause for a moment and wonder about it, and question it, and think it through, and then instead let themselves be filled with curiosity, with hope, with compassion, or with the kind of love that we heard about in the second lesson, well, I wonder, what they might have felt and done and gotten to experience instead. In the name of the one who loves us and has given us life, amen. Amen. And now let us stand and affirm our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world.
1: Grant, almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy.
0: Hear our prayer.
1: Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. We pray especially for Angela Adams, Willie Cotter, Desmarie, Virgil Eccles, Jeff, Tina Lewis, Matthew Pearson, Tony Sanfilippo, Susan Sheflin, Shelley, Kenneth Thomas, and Kim Woods. At this time, please add the names of those for whom you wish prayers either silently or aloud.
0: For all those who suffer in the cold, whether because they don't have adequate housing or adequate heat.
1: Lord, in your mercy,
0: hear our our prayer. prayer.
1: We commend to you your mercy, all who have died, that your will for them may be fulfilled. And we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. At this time, please add the names of those we love and remember, but see no more, either silently or aloud. In your mercy. Hear Hear our prayer. prayer.
0: Almighty God, to whom our needs are known before we ask, help us to ask only what accords with your will, and those good things which we dare not or in our blindness cannot ask, grant us for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. that we We may delight delight in your your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep you in eternal life. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
1: And also with you.
0: Let us share a sign of that peace with one another. Peace, peace. good morning once again please be seated peace to all of you at home on zoom and peace to all of you here um, another warm warm welcome a metaphorically warm welcome um, at least um, I hope everyone weathered the storm well yesterday um, and that those of you at home get shovelled.